Well, I'm just so jazzed about church today, aren't you? I mean, that we're, I'm telling you, I'm still feeling it from that worship set, baptism, new members. It's awesome to see God at work in his church. And if you came in discouraged, our goal and our hope for you and our prayer is that you leave here just full of Jesus and full of life. Amen? Amen. So today, if you're a guest, uh, my name's Tim. I get the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And uh, we are on a series of messages for the month of March called Faith Forward. And so we are actually looking to God's word, which is what we do each and every week. We go line by line through verses, as you heard uh, my good friend Kim, who just became a member, explain. And what we are looking at specifically in the month of March is what the Bible actually says about our finances and our possessions. Now, we know this can be a touchy subject. We know this can be sometimes, you know, one of those things that maybe people don't want to talk about or they think that churches talk too much about that. And I can tell you here at Shepherd's Gate, we're a very laid-back church. We love Jesus. We love his word. And we want God to speak into every aspect of our lives, including our finances. Is that true? And so today, to be honest with you, I feel a little guilty. Isn't that wild? I feel guilty that I've been the lead pastor for five years and I haven't really talked about money or finances or what we should be doing with our finances as much as maybe, maybe I should have been doing all along, especially when you view it in light of how often Jesus talks about money and what he has to say about our possessions. And so we're going to look at that today. Now, if you haven't been here the last couple of weeks, I do encourage you, especially if you call Shepherd's Gate your home church, Go online, watch it. You can watch the first two weeks on demand. Uh, if this is your first time here, and those of you that are watching online, we're so glad you're joining us as well. Week one, what we did is we looked over the entire Old Testament from Genesis to Malachi. There's 39 books. And what we said and what we observed is that at the end of the day, God really just owns everything. Amen. From Genesis, from creating the world, so he created the dirt, he created all the natural materials that we have in order for us to even build the lives that we have here on earth. So we're still in agreement with that? Yeah. Everyone's still on board, week three, good. Because if we don't get that one down, it's gonna be painful. And then we said the people of God in the Old Testament consistently gave, they consistently tithed the first fruits of what God had given them. And what they did with that is they actually gave that to the house of God. Now going back to Genesis, when you have these first two brothers, Cain and Abel, they gave without actually being instructed to do it. God didn't command them to do it. They just gave. And then you can see it again in Abraham. And as, it, as you go through the books and you begin to see, okay, now over time, God began to shift things and change things because now the children of Israel were actually required to give. It was part of the kind of the system that, that he had created for them. But what we did last week is we went back to the Old Testament. We looked again at scriptures, we, specifically 1 Chronicles 29, and we looked at this guy named David, who's kind of a big deal in the Old Testament. He's kind of a major character. He was a shepherd boy. He killed a giant. He you know, won all these battles, and he becomes king. And when they came to a place and a point in their lives when they wanted to build a house of God, he brought the people together, and he said, hey, we want you to pray about this and to see what it is that God would lay on your heart and if you would be willing to be generous with what God has given you so that we can accomplish this mission. And wouldn't you know that that's exactly what they did. In the scriptures, over and over again, they tell us that they gave joyously and they gave out of the abundance of their hearts. And not only so, there's kind of this pattern that's laid out for us in the fact that the leaders led the way in their generous and sacrificial offerings to the Lord. 
Now, we didn't have time to go over other scriptures in the Old Testament, but there's plenty of other times when the people of God gave well and beyond a 10%. They gave well beyond what it was that God was even calling them to do because when it comes to a relationship with God, it always comes back to the motive of our hearts. And I'll explain it this way, because the first two brothers, Cain and Abel, the first two that we actually see actually understanding this whole concept, one of them, God actually received their gift. The other one, God actually rejected the gift that he had given God because of the heart and the motive that he had given it in. So that's why it's really important that we understand scripture, that we dive into scripture, that we read the scriptures, and that we allow God's word to speak to our hearts and our lives today. Does that sound good? And so today we're going to kind of uh, change things up a little bit. And I want to remind you as we go into this, the ground rules. You guys all remember the ground rules? Okay, week three, that if something that I say annoys you, that's okay. It's probably the Holy Spirit, okay? If there's something that I say that angers you or you disagree with, the rule is you got to come and talk to me. Email me. Reach out to me, uh, you know, open door. I don't want you to go home and get frustrated or if you have a spouse, take it on your spouse or go to your small group and gossip with your small group. No, I want you to come and talk to me and let's have that dialogue. Let's have that ongoing dialogue. Number two is that if you are married, that you will talk to your spouse about your finances. And maybe there's some areas that, that you need to grow in. Maybe there's some areas that you need to address. Maybe there's some things that, that if it's grabbing hands and going before God in prayer and saying, okay, God, our church is doing this series and maybe there's some things that we need to grow in as a couple, as a unit. And finally, right? Finally, that if you're a guest, that you're going to come back because in April, we're not gonna be talking about money. How does that sound? <laughs> All right, so those are the ground rules. And so today... We're going to move into the New Testament. There's 27 books in the New Testament from Matthew to Revelation. And today we are just going to look at what Jesus says about money. Don't you want to know what Jesus says about money? He's kind of a big deal. So we should probably like clue in and hone in and see what it is that he has to say. In fact, Jesus talked more about money than any other topic that the gospel writers grasped and recorded in our Bibles today. Isn't that fascinating? And you go like, wait a second, he talked more about money, and Tim, you don't really ever talk about money. Because sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I hope by week three, you guys have all gotten that, that uncomfortable, right? If, if you're still uncomfortable, just do this, it helps, right? Move your physical body until it tells your heart that it's okay to talk about money in church. In fact, 16 of the 38 parables Jesus told are on how to handle money and possessions, Think of that. And if you don't know what a parable is, it's just a made-up story that Jesus tells. And so Jesus would often do this. This is how he would illustrate his point and drive home his point. 16 out of 38. Listen to this. In the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. Isn't that crazy? One out of 10. Does anybody find that interesting? What percentage is one out of 10? <laughs> Sometimes I get annoyed at how accurate God is. 
Sometimes you get annoyed with how consistent, I mean, he's so consistent, even out of how many verses there are in the Bible. So I'm glad you're here today. Those of you that didn't make it, because, you know, it was hard to get up last week because of that whole, you know, daylight savings thing. Today is the first day of spring, so we're all cheery. We had a wonderful praise set. We're going to go through all 288 verses of Jesus. And since you're the second service, I got all day long. Amen? All right. He just has a lot to say about money. Here's the reality, though, for us. We live in a, we live in a country where we are only 4.25% of the entire world population. I want you to think about this. This used to be 5%. It's now been reduced. We are now 4.25% of all the people living on our planet. And we know we're all created in the image of God, that God loves us all equally. However, we consume 25% of the world's resources kind of humbling, isn't it? And maybe sometimes in our grouchiness, in our complaining, when we see things around us that sometimes maybe we forget how blessed we really are, how we live in this incredible country that we're protected by the military that God has blessed us with and then in the women that serve so faithfully, that even this morning no one woke up and feared driving to church today. We didn't didn't pass tanks on our way here. We didn't worry that there'd be people standing at the door and, you know, asking us if we really are followers of Jesus and that would mean risking our lives or being dragged off to jail, which is what we see happening in other parts of our world. We look at places like Ukraine because that's first and foremost in our minds. And our hearts go out to those people. And we ask the why God questions and God, are you going to move? And God, what is it that we can do As individuals, what can we even do as a church community? Do you know what percentage of the world Ukraine makes up? 0.5%. And so when people talk about genocide, it's very real for them. That when you have people that are trying to literally wipe off other people that are on this planet, God, what is the call that you have put on our lives? Maybe, God, we just got to be reminded of how really truly blessed we are and the position that you have placed us in, the influence that we have. Maybe there's areas for us to grow. Because the other state of affairs in the world that we live in is that the average American actually gives less than 2% of their money away. We have all the resources. We have the great nation. Yet we somehow struggle with seeing what it is that maybe God is calling us to do in our vocation in our time that we have here on this planet. Why is this? Why is it so hard for us as Americans to see past taking care of ourselves and the culture that we live in and how consumer-driven it is and how we're always just fed these lies that we need more and we need better and we need to upgrade this and we need to upgrade that and we need to take care of ourselves first and then we'll take care of anybody else if there's anything left over or we can donate here or there. These are our faith forward verses throughout this whole series. Remember this. It always is going to come back to these two verses, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. And Paul is telling the church in Corinth, which by the way, if if you study the New Testament, the church in Corinth was a hot mess. They were struggling in so many different ways. They were living in a pagan culture. And he tells them this, that just as you're excelling in everything, in your faith and in your speech and in your knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, See that you also excel in the grace of giving. 
And that's what we want for this series. That's what we've asked is that through the Holy Spirit, because it's, be, it's not gonna be because I guilted you into doing it and nobody should give because a preacher guilts them into doing it. It should be the stirring of the Holy Spirit in your heart because you are coming in contact with his word because that's how God speaks to you. And you realize that you're blessed and that he's given you all of these things. In fact, everything that he's given you is just his to begin with. And so maybe there's room in our hearts in this month, Shepherd's Gate, to excel in the grace of giving. And the second is this, is that each of us should give what we have decided, not in our heads, right, where the spreadsheets live, but in our, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Not on one side or the other, but yet God loves a cheerful giver. God wants to cultivate that. Again, go back and look at the, the first two brothers and one that did it with the wrong heart and the one that did it with the right heart. And you're gonna even see today, God is always after our hearts. Now, I know we've been talking a lot about the Old Testament. Obviously, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about a tithe and the definition of a tithe and 10%. And do you wanna know what Jesus actually says about the tithe? Do you wanna know what Jesus actually says as he refers back to the Old Testament? And so it's actually recorded. It's recorded in two of the Gospels. Matthew's one of them. And this is what Jesus says when he's doing one of his teachings, when he's got large people gathered around him. He says these words. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Now, these are the religious leaders of his time. He says, you hypocrites. He calls them hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. Anybody have that in their spice closet? Isn't that interesting? But you have neglected the more important matters of the law. So he's actually referring to the law and when they were commanded to give. And he says, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Jesus never negated the tithe, just so you know, in Scripture. And what he's doing in this moment is he's actually going after arrogant people. He's going actually the, the religious people of their time who thought they, they could outwit God, who thought that they could paint God in a corner and they thought they could manipulate God to get him what he wanted them to do. And do you know that's a terrible place to be? And do you know sometimes when you're talking about money, there are churches, unfortunately, and there are pastors and TV evangelists, unfortunately, that will teach a prosperity gospel and they'll teach you that if you give, then God then is forced then to financially give back to you. And so you play this game with God, and all of a sudden you become like God because you think that you can outwit or outsmart or outplay God. Can I just tell you, you can't do that? Don't do that. That is a terrible, terrible mindset to have. That's why it's important to give from your heart and not from your head. And it's the Holy Spirit, again, that is the one that works on our hearts. He is the one that directs and leads and guides. It's not that we disconnect our brains. God's given us brains. He's given us knowledge. He gives us the ability to understand what to do with the resources he's blessed us with. But it's always going to go back to the heart for God. From beginning to end, Old Testament into New Testament, God is always consistent. In fact, he'll tell you how he's going to address the heart in the very next verse. He says, woe to you. He's still talking to these teachers of the laws and Pharisees calls them hypocrites again, which is not easy to hear from Jesus. You clean the outside of the dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. And he says, 
blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. What is he going after in this verse? What do you think? The heart. Greed. And how easily greed can control our lives and wanting everything for ourselves and taking care of ourselves first. In fact, Jesus said it this way in Luke. Watch out. Like he's warning people. Like think about this for a moment. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life, by the way, does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Think of what Jesus is telling you. Your life is more valuable than your bank account. Your life is more valuable than the possessions that you own. This is a good thing. You're getting quiet on me this morning here, folks. This is a good thing. Aren't you glad that your life doesn't consist of what you have in your checking or savings or 401k or in the stock market that's going like this? Or in your Costco membership and how much money you're going to get back this year? It's in God, your creator. And that when you die, by the way, and you close your eyes in this life and you open them in the next, none of your earthly possessions will be there with you. That's crazy, isn't it? Yet we work so hard for our earthly possessions. We work so hard to create a life on this earth. What does this mean to you? Let the God's word speak to you. All kinds of greed. And we're all greedy. I'm greedy. There's things that I want. There's things I wish I could upgrade in my life. There's things in our house. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a new little dilly dad over here? Problem is, I don't know how to fix anything, so I have to save extra to go find someone that does know how to do it, pay them to then come do it, which then costs me three times as much rather than just leave the one that already works on the wall. We all do this, all kinds of greed. Let God speak to your heart and what it is that you know that so often trips you up. Well, this is why the third part of our vision statement here at Shepherd's Gate is so important. We have committed to living generously with everything that we have. And again, it's not give generously, it's all of our being, that we live generously with everything that God has blessed us with. And so for the next few moments, what we're going to do is we are, we're going to go to a specific passage of scripture. Some of you may know this. Others of you, this may be the first time that you've ever heard this. But I guarantee you this this morning. You are going to see the heart of God through the words of Jesus Christ this morning. And so if you want to grab one of our chair Bibles, it's on page 811. If you're watching online, you can click the Bible tab on the online screen. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. If you're in the front row, they're underneath the seat. And if you're new to Shepherd's Gate, you don't have a Bible, please take the Bible you're holding home with you today. We would love to give you that as a gift on behalf of our church. And we're just going to read this line by line, verse by verse, and we're going to let it marinate, and we're going to let God speak to you once again through his word this morning. Matthew chapter 6, in verse 19, Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. What are our treasures on earth? Where is he going with this? What is he nudging us toward in this? 
What's in your garage? Do you even park your cars? Because they built garages for cars? No, it's crazy. Think of what's in your garage, the possessions that you own. I told the nine o'clock service this. God is so amazing in how he really honestly orchestrates our lives and puts other people in our lives to bless us. Now, my wife and I, we live in an incredible subdivision, and we have these neighbors across the street, and we've become friends with them. And uh, there's times when I actually actually try to fix things in my house. I know it's crazy. Uh, usually when my father-in-law is in town from Florida, okay? So I'll be like, hey, since you're here, can we do this? And he said, do you have a level? Okay, how many of you have levels in your house? Right? I don't have a level, okay? And you know when one man looks at another man and you just say, should I, should I have a level? And I said to my father, well, I don't need a level. You know I don't need a level? Because God blessed me with the neighbor across the street. And I have been in his three-car garage, and he has walked me through his entire tool collection. And he said, Tim, over here, these are the tools that I have bought. You see these tools right here? I inherited these when my father passed away. And do you see this whole section over here, section number three? These are when my wife's father, my father-in-law passed away. If you ever need a tool, don't you ever hesitate to come over and ask me for a tool. So I don't. <laughs> but that's not the mindset, is it? The mindset in a consumer society is you should never, ever borrow from anybody. You should never ask anybody for anything. You should never be reliant on anybody else on this planet. That's not what the Bible says. We need each other, folks. We need each other on not so much more than sharing tools with each other. We need to speak truth into each other's life. We need to hold each other accountable. We need to carry each other when we're going through difficulties in life. What's the treasure on earth for you? He goes on to say, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And again, you gotta be cautious with this. This isn't all of a sudden we turn into doing good works and we sign up for every project that Ron, our local missions coordinator, is doing because we want to have some you know, bank in heaven. And so when we get to heaven, we're, we're more excited about whatever treasure there is than we are about just being in the presence of Jesus. That's not actually what he's talking about in this passage because he goes on to say this, for where your treasure is, there your head, heart will be also. Some of you, you know this expression. People have probably challenged you with this. If you want to see where someone's heart at, what do you do? Look at their bank statements. Open their checkbook. See how they spend money. What is it? They're investing in something. We're spending money. We love to spend. We have no problem spending. So what are we spending it on? He goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. I love this. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What is projected out of you? But if your eye is bad, your whole body is going to be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Maybe you're new to all this. Maybe you're new to the concept of giving. Maybe you, if you're, if you're married or you're a young family or you're just starting out or you just got engaged or whatever those cases are, 
This is God speaking to you. This is God bringing you into relationship with him and and into trusting him more and more with all of your being. The reason we're doing this series is because so many people here at Shepherd's Gate have been so generous for so many years. This church was actually founded on sacrificial giving. They didn't just give. They had to give sacrificially. The reason we're even into this place where we're at now is because of generosity. And those that give, those that understand biblical stewardship, we want to invite more people into this. We want more people to experience the full life that they can have in walking with the Lord. He goes on to say this, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he ends by saying this, you cannot serve God and money. Talk about a line in the sand, huh? And he's telling these to brand new people. I mean, we're only in chapter six of Matthew. And here, Matthew's capturing this. Matthew, the tax collector. Matthew, who anytime Jesus was talking about money, you better believe his ears would have perked up and he would have wanted to know what Jesus was saying. And he records this for you. And this is what happens. People go after. People people sacrifice their marriages. They sacrifice their families. They sacrifice even their own health to pursue another dollar, another business, another transaction. They miss church. They say, no, I gotta do this, I gotta go to that, I gotta blah, 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 blah. And it's all the world sucking us in into just believing the lies that this world offers us. And Jesus says, no, 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 time out, time out. I have a better way for you. I have a different way for you to live. In fact, I have an economy, I have a stock market, I have a checkbook the world doesn't even know about. And I can orchestrate things that would blow your mind away. Just come here. Spend some time with me. Allow me to to come alongside you. Allow me to come alongside you if you're an individual. Allow me to come beside you if you're a family. Allow me to come alongside you if you're a business owner and you're trying to make sense of things. And watch when you invite me in what it is that I can do in and through you. Trust me. I created you. I created the whole world. I know what's best for you. See, this is what happens. When money is the master of your life, we live in these kind of realities. These are the priorities. It's live, save, and give. And so what happens is is we live close-handed because it's me first. All right, I worked hard. You have no idea how hard I've worked to get where I'm at. You have no idea this and this and this and this. And it's true, you have. You've worked hard for what you have. And so you're gonna spend all your money on yourself. I'm gonna take care of me first. And people get the idea of, and the reason and the rationale is it's like being in a plane when the oxygen masks come down. We gotta take care of myself first. Save for my future, which is what? I can't live generously, Tim. I will when I retire. I will once I get through this phase of my life. I will once I get through my kids through college. I will this and this, all these excuses, all these things that we use to justify it. And then we'll give what's ever left, and it's everyone else third. And God says, no, 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 hold on. Flip it around. Look at what it is that, that I would have you to do. When Jesus is the master of your life, you give first. Because it's God's, and it's all his. You live open-handedly second, so it's others that you begin to bless. Think of this. Imagine if you, if you're married, got into a competition where you were trying to outgive your spouse. What would that look like? 
man, imagine if you came home from work and your wife said, you know, I was going to buy these shoes, but I instead bought you this tool. I just love you so much. My wife would never say that, but... <laughs> Women, imagine if your husband said, guess what, honey? I am not going on my expensive golf weekend. Instead, I'm taking you someplace nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Others, second. And then spend and save, third. You know why? Because that's what Jesus told us to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, which is just a fancy way of saying the right order of things and the right way that he has laid things out. And all these things will be given to you as well. God will always provide everything you need. You might not get everything you want, but he for sure will always give you everything you need. We say it in the Lord's Prayer. We believe it to be true. And God has never failed us and he's never let us down. Isn't that incredible? Amen. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to close with a powerful video testimony. And I know that this is going to speak to some of your hearts. The Holy Spirit is going to use this video testimony of this incredible couple and their faith story and what it is that God has done in and through them as the Holy Spirit grip their heart and they begin to respond to what it is that he has for them. So let's watch this together. Hi, I'm Rochelle, and this is Rob. We're the Shippies, and uh, we have three children. Rebecca's 28, Rachel is 25, and Robbie is 23. We've been coming to Shepherd's Gate about a year, and uh, just recently decided to join the church officially as members, and we have been asked to share our tithing story. Back in the 90s, uh, shortly after we had gotten married, I had pursued independent business and I was very uh, money and success oriented. Uh, most of that was driven by fear, uh, fear of lack. So I was working very hard, very diligently in business and, and climbing the proverbial ladder, succeeding at least in the world's eyes. Um, and we found ourselves in a, in a unique business situation where I was really able to thrive. and. Uh, Business was going very well. I was enjoying a lot of success, recognition, financial gains. And um, unfortunately, I was doing a lot of that in, in my own flesh and for my own reasons and my own rewards. And uh, during that process, what I didn't realize is I was also simultaneously becoming um, a bad husband and a bad father and not not a good representation of a Christian man. And so as quickly as our business succeeded, it started to fail. Things at home weren't good and things at work were not good. And um, sorry, I wasn't expecting this. So over a period of time, our business started to fail and employees started to notice it was failing, they started leaving, and it just spiraled downhill. And we got to a point where we uh, had lost about 90% of our staff. We were in debt up to our eyeballs, had $70,000 in credit card debt alone, 
and I was grasping at every straw I could find to, to make ends meet. I think it was around Christmas we visited um, Faith Lutheran in Troy and Pastor Arndt did a, a three-week series on tithing and we went every week and we were fascinated with what we learned and in the end um, we said okay God we're losing everything we have we, we have nothing left to lose financially let's try it and so we said, okay, here we go. And so with what little margin we had at that time, we started to tithe. And so I went through this process of realizing this business caused me all these problems. I need, I need to sell this business because this is the root of everything that's wrong in our life. Just as quickly as we had a contract and had the business sold through some circumstances beyond our control, the buyers backed out. And we panicked and fear raged through us again. But during that time, we continued to tithe. I started to realize during that time that it wasn't the business that was the problem. It was me. And I realized that I was really the problem. And in my studies, I came across a book by a guy named Larry Burkett. And it was called Business by the Book. It was a, a biblical handbook for how you run your business. and it changed my life. That book, it was so practical. It was literally a manual for operating. And what I realized when I read that book is, God, God doesn't want me to sell the business. He wants me to do the business different. I get a call one day and it's, it's one of these calls that business owners never wanna get. It's an auditor from the state of Michigan. So, you know, anytime you hear the word audit, you just cringe. And um, this woman came in and she spent two days in our office going through all kinds of numbers and whatever she did. And, and when she got all done, she said, uh, oh, you're not gonna believe this. We actually owe you, it was like $3,000. And it was just enough to make the difference of what we needed to cover payroll that, that next week. And sure enough, we got a check. And while she had been there, I had been telling her our story and how the business had done well and then the business had failed and now we were trying to rebuild the business. And so the lady calls me a couple days later and she says, you know, I was listening to your story and so I didn't want to tell you anything until I knew, but I went back and I, on my own, I audited your prior two years and we owe you more money. <laughs> and so once again, God found a unique way to get my attention that if we would just trust him, he'd find ways. One of the things we've realized is we have to trust God with everything, even the money. And I would say for somebody like me, for where I was in life, especially the money. Because for me, that's where a lot of my fear was rooted. And and I would say that was the gateway to my faith growing very personally and very dramatically was releasing that aspect of all my fear and all my worries was, was through releasing the finances to the Lord. Powerful testimony, huh?
someone that's out there doing the daily grind, trying to provide for his family. And God got a hold of his heart. And that's our prayer for you, that wherever you're at, that God would get a hold of your heart and speak to you and remind you how much you're loved by him. For some of you, maybe you didn't grow up in a Christian home or this is a whole new concept and 10% tithe, Tim, that's nuts. Like we would go under. Hey, listen, start where you're at. Start with prayer. Start with inviting God into the situation and saying, okay, God, I heard your word and I believe it to be true. It's all yours. And now help me, God, to understand that and to live in that and to walk into that. I want all of you, all of you to experience the grace and the mercy of our God. And so maybe for your story, maybe your faith forward story starts on March 20th, 2022. The past is behind us, okay? Anything that's happened in the past, God's grace and his mercy has forgiven you of that. And now let's take that step forward. Ask God to continue to move in our hearts and our lives. Does that sound good? All right, we bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne again this morning, and I thank you for this church. God, I thank you that, that we're able to address these difficult subjects. But God, we address them because they're in your word and because we know that you instruct us in all areas of our life, including our personal finances. And God, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, we do. We just give opportunity for your Holy Spirit to remind us once again how much we're loved by you, how much we're forgiven by you, and that, God, you are going to continue to do your work in our hearts and our lives. God, I pray for those in our congregation that own businesses, even as Rob and Rochelle shared, and the layer of stress that that can cause and in the positions that they're in and in managing staff and providing not only for their own family, but the families of so many. God, would you put your hand of blessing upon our business owners? Will you continue to strengthen them, give them your knowledge and your wisdom as they seek to serve you with what it is that you've entrusted to them, the talents that you have placed in their hands? And God, for all of us, with the, the little economies that, that you allow us to have possession of, God, whatever it is that you're leading and guiding us, I pray that you would make that known. Continue to pierce our hearts. Continue to draw us close to you. And God, for the decisions that we need to make for our congregation in the future, you've blessed us with this beautiful building that we've had for so many years. God, you allowed us to get the properties out front. You've given us acreage, and we're trying to figure out, okay, God, we want your will. Whatever's next for this place, may it be according to your plan. And all these things, God, we lay them at the foot of the cross. We love you. We thank you for everything that you've given us. Through Jesus Christ, who is our risen Savior and Lord, we pray all these things in his holy and precious name.